Hello and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series. However, my co-hosts are reading the series for the first time. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Good morning. Our producer, AJ Falleri. Good afternoon. And he's as confused and curious as everyone else by the science and inspiration behind Shirk's Utulu. It's Joshua Dean Baker. I do have a lot of thoughts on, I mean, you know, like a lot of people are in a way controlled by their genitalia. So it's very, it's a very interesting, you know, sort of representation of that with like a literal physical beast. Now, here's my question, though. Is it in the previous organ that took care of that business? Do they have to, is it like, like, where is it? Is so it, it, I want to thank Lady Spanalot for sending in that <laughs> intro. Um, she sent in a few other great ones. And if you stay after AJ's outro, I'm going to read them all. I think it's a oh, little yeah. treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. However, I will say AJ sometimes puts little mix clips on after the outro. And one time, but you know, it's very unfair <laughs> that he has final cut. One time I got AJ to say that OJ is innocent on the show. I put it in the script notes. He read it and I caught him, you know, and I got it on tape, but he didn't put it in the show because, you know, busy protecting his own reputation. I thought you were going to talk about the one where I had you eating yogurt and we got messages from people that were like, why the fuck was Peter eating yogurt on the podcast? You monsters. I mean, that's, that's just quality audio. <laughs> I do want to circle back, though, because it makes sense because I remember that day and he had a shirt on and it just said the glove doesn't fit. And I was really confused prior to the recording about the context of that shirt. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit, as is well known. Jesus Christ. Um, We are too young to be talking about the OJ trial. None of us think OJ's innocent, so... Mm. (laughs) before we start peter confirm you have the right mic on your recording interface please for the love of god i do have the right microphone in and it's time to drop into a surprise pronunciation nation oh Oh, shit oh i love that can we get some bassoon aj there is bassoon listen to the fucking podcast josh (laughs) i've never listened to a full episode damn it (laughs) oh Hey everybody, producer AJ here, editing the episode, hopping in uh, to have my own little correction section. Uh, I mistakenly sung the correction section song uh, instead of the pronunciation nation song, because it has been such a long time since we cared about pronunciations on this show. Uh, So without further ado, here is the correct pronunciation nation song and the rest of the episode. So a new listener named Christian, I think, is catching up with our show, so... He's been tweeting at us and talking about some more recent things, you know, from first, second book. And uh, it seems like he's about halfway through Deadhouse Gates where Fiddler fi- Fiddler uses this magic conch, you know? Okay. <laughs> that uh, I believe, who who blesses it, um, gives gives the magic conch to Fiddler. It's, um... Gives the, oh, the uh, Tano Spirit Walker. That's who it is. I, I came to it. What the I want to say India India was right on is. it. She said I thought she said Tano and then I I just had the last word. I didn't hear. Her. Oh. Anyway, so here's the big news. <laughs> so he he tweets us and say it's pronounced Kong. What? Well, I think not, that's a well, regional I've thing. I've heard both pronunciations. Yeah, I Kong think it's like Van Gogh Kong. versus Van Gogh. It's like depends on okay, where you're well, from. I think yeah, I guess the, okay, I see what you're saying. 
I yeah. looked it up. Apparently, it's an American English thing. I was American. Oh, it's it's like it's like we're American, like like aluminium or uh, well, apparently us Americans are supposed to say conch, but I've literally never seen conch in my life. I will say this: the reason I say conch is directly related to the SpongeBob SpongeBob, episode, the Magic Conch, where they have the thing with the pull string and it just says bullshit. Yep, that is the only that is where I get my pronunciation of conch from. Yeah, people eat that. Just saying. Well, there's probably a muscle inside, right? It's a delicacy. Yeah, I'll I'll fuck Uh, up a mollusk any day of the week, baby. (laughs) While we're in this uh, pronunciation nation, I would like to... There was one from the the last episode we just released where Mm. we said Shelthalore a lot, and it's Shelthathalore. Is is her name? So, and then they also corrected the suckle andalu, the dapple one. Um, the I think one Ankadu. of the parts was silent. Suckle ankadu. No, I think it's spelled the way it sounds. But we just were very confused about it. So, yeah, that sounds like me. Keep sending in your pronunciations. Maybe we'll make a channel in Discord just for pronunciations. No, that just sounds like it's going to be all fighting. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, listen, I had another intro I wanted to get to, but I guess we'll do it at the end. Um, (laughs) Okay. Let's get started with the show. Okay. Chapter 12. Tehol sends Bug out on several errands. First to the quarry, and to Shirk, and then to the Rat Catcher's Guild. In the palace, Bryce is examining the recent disappearance of thousands of people. Tehol had pressed him to investigate this, and Bryce wonders what Tehol is up to. Bug enters an old tomb where Shirk is hiding out along with Harlist. Bug speaks to them about the history of the tomb and of the four Colossale and other elder races. After Bug heads off to the Ratcatcher's Guild, they schedule a meeting for later that night. Khan meets with Bryce and talks about the dolmen. One of the tiles had been bound, and the Cedar believes the Azath house has died. They talk more about the tiles, and the Cedar is scared. Additionally, the Northern Envoy is unreachable. Bryce sets out then to investigate the Azath. At the quarry, miners have accidentally released an ancient creature. As Bug comes to investigate, a Jagged arrives, saying that she was the one who had imprisoned the creature long ago. The creature is a demon called a Calibral. The Jagged offers to imprison the creature again, and Bug has a suggestion for a new place. Bryce comes to the Yazath and finds Kettle. She has lost count of those she killed, but it was not enough to satiate the house. She says Bryce must speak to the prisoner in the Yazath and Kettle leads him there. Suddenly, Bryce finds himself with a stranger above a great and strange city. The foreign city sprawls out, and the sky is lit up with objects falling down upon it. The stranger explains that a god is coming through a wound into this world, coming to destroy Kalor's empire. They speak more about empire and tyranny. The stranger criticizes Leather and tries to warn Bryce about where he could find hope. Bryce returns then, and Kettle speaks with him, but he is still confused about the stranger. Kettle suggests he must bring the stranger two good swords. Bryce agrees and sets off to find the Sita. Tehol goes to his appointment with the Ratcatchers. 
The building is swarmed with rats, and Tehel is well aware the guild also deals in thievery and assassination. Tehel offers a contract for them to move tribal refugees out of the city. He wants to know about their investigation into the many disappearances, and he wants protection for himself. Tell and Bug both suspect more than one of the rat catchers are merely illusions. Bryce consults with the Sita about the Azath, and they go to Kurakan's private armory. Inside are several enchanted swords, and Bryce takes the two and plans to deliver them to the Azath. Finally, Tail and Bug return home after a hard day's work. Pete, you left out the part. You left out the part where Breeze does some municipal budgeting. What? That and, and you know, it's just a bunch of budgeting thing with Breeze and the Seda talking about like, oh, this would be two peaks for the, the bridges. What I think so just... funny about the budgeting shit is like sometimes, you know, later in this chapter, other stuff, you know, like sc- meteors destroying empires, <laughs> sky keeps of dinosaurs. And then like also we have scenes where people are like the budget. I'm sorry, we just can't crunch. I crunch the numbers. We can't do it, boss. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I just think it's fucking funny, bro. It is. So that's, a, I guess, our intro into discussing chapter 12, <laughs> um, which is the first of our four chapters this week. And uh, India, so in our discussion th- throughout the week, there was a lot of talk about Bug and about focusing on him as kind of a mastermind or maybe having a larger hand in the operation than maybe we first thought, especially since a lot of the time we're talking about Tehul since he's one of the brothers. So I wondered what you think about Bug and what he's up to in this chapter at the Ratcatcher's Guild. He meets this Jagut and then there's this monster thing. So what, what, what do you think of this manservant? I think that Bug really could be up to whatever he wants because Tail just kind of sends him out and says, okay, well, go do everything. I'm going to take a nap. And we, I mean, yeah, he's popping into where he's supposed to be, but who knows what other, what other things he has his little paws in. Mm. I just, I don't know. And then sometimes I feel like when I'm reading it, maybe I'm just confused, but Tail will be like, oh, why did you go there? And he was like, well, why wouldn't I go there? And it's just like, what are you not telling us, Bug? So <laughs> you think I'm very he's hiding something? I think I don't know what he's doing. I can't freaking tell. I I feel so much. I feel so strongly that like Bug has got to have one of the best backstories in the <laughs> series. But I know Steve enough to know that there's a pretty good chance we'll never know that for certain. <laughs> or like we'll just get we'll just keep getting hints. But that's like we'll like we'll either never know or what's that book six is just about just Bug. bug yeah. <laughs> feels so Give on the brand. What they want. If we don't know, I'm going to start a petition to get a full bug series if he lives <laughs> through the end of this. Or a prequel bug series. I, I love him. I like he when he like, quotes he... the, um, the rat people in the eyes. Yeah, yeah that was good. Oh, God, that was so... That was just a funny... It's just funny. I just thoroughly enjoy the, the humor of it all. Yeah. yeah. It's, again, as I've said before, very vocalating and corporal brooch yeah. side, side books. And nobody Ask. gets murdered, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> no one's getting sacrificed to make terrible humunculi. Yeah. I mean, for the record, Kettle's mad murdering people, well, but we're I talking guess about they do she does it. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> It's cute when she does it. It is cute when she does it. <laughs> no, you're you're not wrong. See? No, okay. PB, everyone agrees. It is. Um, She's adorable. With little worms in her hair. Love it. Kettle more like cutel. 
Josh, I think we've talked before about a certain level of mystery or confusion around what's exactly going on with Tell and Bug's plan. This week, we kind of see him at the quarry. There's this demon. He goes to the Azat. Like, there's all this stuff. Have you, do you have a better, clear plan of maybe what these puzzle pieces are doing? I mean, I feel like I know what the puzzle pieces are and I have put some together, but like, I wasn't given the box. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't given. Mm-hmm. like the picture that I get to like build off of. <laughs> so I'm still just kind of like, I got some here, I got some here, the edges are nowhere near done. You can tell there's going to be a dragon. <laughs> I, I think you make an interesting point because a classic part of like a heist narrative or a plan, like there's a whole plan narrative that is often like, you know, the mastermind will describe the plan and then kind of the, the satisfaction of the story is seeing it executed kind of to perfection and then there's like some some turns. Yeah. And this is not that. No, there's no. A, we are wading through the mystery you know we are a few steps behind bug who's a few steps behind tehole maybe uh, yeah you know? I, yeah i i don't know i really i really enjoy it at best though all what all i can see with my very very limited knowledge limited knowledge of stocks and such is it's... oh drop that stock knowledge on me baby finance boy mad money with joshua baker I've gotten none. Uh, anyway, uh, it just feels like he is, I guess, making a company that is rising fast and he is playing the stocks to feel like they are selling like hotcakes, right? And they're very highly coveted. But the problem is he's just selling hella more than exists, which means people are buying things that don't have a market value. But more than likely, the 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 overall stock trading place they probably have to honor that stuff so if he does that enough they'll probably just get destroyed when they have to pay the debts when bugs company disappears entirely i guess maybe that's their plan um i don't understand a lot of the other stuff though yeah i didn't even know that i just thought they were buying properties at this point no, no, they've they've bought properties. Bug has been officially contracted by the the king to fix up the eternal domicile wings that have been flooding. Right. Oh, the shitty place that killed the children. Yes. What? Right? Right? No. The whole building collapsed and it was a school and then all the kids died in it. Oh, yeah, he's using that. Yeah, that's their base of operations. And oh. that's under that's where Shirk is and stuff. But um the eternal domicile is like remember remember where Breeze is like in with the, the water under yeah the with water. the rats yep 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 he's fixing that and 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 because of that they're getting such a claim that like people are like we want to invest in this company or some bullshit I don't know yeah later later in in a later chapter they say they've sold like four thousand percent of the shares or something it's can very... I start a new segment and it's called of course. Do we need our to show start- loves having new segments, but not consistent segments. <laughs> I love yeah, yeah. I like to start a new segment. And this segment's called Josh poses a question. Um, do we need the stock market if we just like stopped it? Yeah, probably fine. Right. Yes. Like we just stop selling stocks. Yeah. What's like businesses would still happen. Josh, I don't fucking know. Yeah, uh, right. The stock market I... is a rich people's game. And... All right, someone who's some someone who's smart, please explain to me. You know what? Actually, <laughs> never mind. I was gonna say, Josh, you are. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. I'm good. Someone who agrees with me, tell me I'm right, please. <laughs> I prefer that. So there we go. That's what, that's I agree what the with internet's you, Josh. for, baby. That's so idea. Well, Inch, here's what I want to ask you. You know, we met Calm last book, but. Bug goes in and he's in and we learn a little more about the Forkroll assail, you know, and 
I would say out of the elder races, they are the one we easily know the least about. Indian, you know? Indian I'm going to need you to about this. rewind and explain to me what that is, because I'll know what it is once I once you tell me. But the name means nothing. You don't know. I, you don't know that much. I'm just I was curious about if it was leaving any impressions with you or I mean, because I feel like usually we've been hearing about them. We heard a, a little Josh bit more about them. This book told me about them on the phone. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the what we were talking about on the people. phone. Yeah. I have an unfair. Me and Josh had a discussion she about wrote. this already. So I, I don't know how I feel. I have no real idea, and I don't know if they were brought up again in the in the chapter fifteen. So to be honest, I know nothing. I believe that they lived underground in that little thing where Kettle was, and they were very strong. Yeah, there's like a there was like a. I have no thought. What am I supposed to know though? Like, what is there to know? Did they? I, just, was, I, I don't know, and I don't want to say anything because then I'm going to feel dumb when it's wrong. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this question off to either Josh or AJ because I need to. We need to talk about chapter fifteen before I have any true feelings about it. Well, no worries. You're they're still mostly a mysterious thing. Although we met Calm last book, that's kind of the thing that Karsa thought Calm? when they when Calm, he, yeah when Calm Calm remember Delam Thorn got hit in the head by the creature under the slab. Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, we talked about this. yes. Yeah, they've got. They're very tall. Got four arms. Yes. Well, yes. they don't have. They don't have four arms. They, they have, have two arms. elbows. Yeah. So their arms are really long <laughs> and they bend twice. <laughs> I just want to say you Holy said shit. that like it was such a casual thing. He's so, not right-handed. He's ambidextrous. That's that's the tone you just took with that explanation. <laughs> two elbow. I just assumed that the double elbows meant double arms as well. Shit. No, it's because it's just the best fucking thing. And when you peep drawings of them are the best. They're all just like really just like <laughs> Okay, Slender Man infl- inflatable tube energy. Don't Google I'm just going to go to images. I'm just going to images. And no. How do you spell that? Do they have two knees? They do have two knees. Yeah, bro. Of course. Yeah, bro. No. Oh, but the one knee is like an ugh. Some of these pictures I don't like. All right. Anyway, to, to get us back on track, oh, I'm going to turn to everyone's favorite producer on the show. How oh, are the bars? God. How are the levels? H.A. Valeri. <laughs> these elbows are awful. The elbows are really bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, the bars are fine, I think. The elbows are bad, though. Oh, um. no. <laughs> oh, calm. Oh! Why is the image yeah, of you? <laughs> because I, I I, don't know. I, I think okay. now I remember that it was Okay, we got to get back on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I just wanted to touch on them, you know, since yeah. we've been hearing a little bit more about them in this book. But, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a very, I would say, there's a long sequence in this book, in this chapter... <laughs> Bryce comes to the Azath, he talks with Kettle, and then there's this, you know, he talks with this stranger, we see Kalor's empire, there's this, all this mythic lore, and, um, what what was your takeaway from all of this? How much did this, uh, how much did you chew on this? Um, I was so confused this entire, that entire part where he's in the Azath. I think I read every paragraph, like, two or three times. Um, just Mm. to really kind of, I was just so confused. Um, but I don't know. It's cool. He, he was talking to a God or something, right? He was talking to whatever's in the tower. The thing that, that Kettle talks to later. Is Is that the same? Is that the same being? Josh? Yeah. It's the same being as as what Kettle talks to. Okay. I mean, presumably. Pete, why couldn't you just say yes? (laughs) 
Well, okay, all right, fair enough. Um, all right, maybe I it's ass- not. I assumed it was, but it yeah. totally could not be. Yeah, well, because she know. said that that uh, Bree later Breeze brings the swords for for this this. Yeah, creature. Breeze brings the swords, and like she asks the guy, or she says to the guy, "Doesn't it suck oh, that she's wait, got no, you no. by the ankles?" So it yeah. should be the same person. Well, I don't know because then she she talks to that creature like, "Oh, Bryce brought the swords," and and he said that he's just gonna dig for him. But uh, I don't know. I'm confused. Anyway. Uh, uh, it was wild. There was some crazy magic stuff. These th- these collection of chapters, there was two parts where I remembered how fucking crazy magic is in this world. Uh, and this was one of them where it's just like, oh, yeah, there's like seven or 12 mages or something or, or seven or 12 of them. They never say like mages or whatever, but I assume they were casting some big ritual spell uh, that like blended them all into one big magic ball or something. That's and when, then no, that's that's the, that's when they put on the crippled god. Yeah, but what are the seven and twelve? Seven or seven people? They're just mages. They're mages from the first yeah. empire or a different empire that called on the cripple god. Yeah, yeah. So no. it was still this fucking crazy magic shit, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's just bonkers. Oh, yeah. Just bonkers. I think um, they all die. I think they like. They did. They all. They all. They all died. Uh, they say it matters not. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And part of me is like, oh, this whole series is all about cycles. So maybe that's going to happen with Quick Ben at some point because he's got however many mages inside him. Um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, Forgot about Quick Ben. Yeah, so it's just like absolutely buck wild shit. I had no idea what was going on, but I kind of that's kind of my grasp on it. it neat stuff. <laughs> uh, Breeze goes and gets some swords. I, that's that's all I got. I loved the the scene of them just talking about cursed swords. Oh, that part like, was all great. All swords are cursed or some bullshit. I was like, what are we talking about, guys? Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, hold on, Big wait. Fan. I did I did put an eyes emoji in my notes for some reason. Oh, right, right, right. Because Breeze Breeze leaves out. Um, he doesn't say. He doesn't mention kettle. He doesn't mention kettle. And then at the the last the end of that section is uh, a crossroads was reached and then inexorably a path was taken. So yeah, him, him and Troll both have moments and Sarah and Padak <laughs> all have moments of like a pivotal choice and then immediately reflecting like, huh, that was a choice I made. <laughs> yeah, that How was you a decision. Pick up on these things is so beyond me. I take um, notes. <laughs> that's true. Don't don't take notes. I liked the end of that <laughs> chapter, though, when he didn't tell Kettle and it was like about he didn't t- say that Kettle was dead. But then I think it was brought back up later on. Yeah, I thought the same thing, India. It did sound like he, I don't know, it sounded like the Sita knew more than I thought Breeze told him. But, you know, whatever. Okay, I have to come forward with the truth. You know, I cannot tell a lie. Okay. That's not true. Um, I thought you guys were... W- so, like, we come back to Kettle later on in Chapter 14. And at that point, I wrote in in our script notes the identity of who this person is, you know? Because I thought we collectively knew. Oh, my God. Know? We don't know shit about is this person. Other th- no, oh, I removed fuck. it. Because I thought... I. I thought we would have put, I thought we put the pieces together and like this week we were all going to roll up like, you know. No. Okay, well. India, do not go, do not go looking for. Well, okay, wait, is it, is it, wait, is it. Okay, well, let's think about well, two what we know. Swords. We, we know that he. But I had two swords. Everybody had two swords. Wait, are you telling me that I'm supposed to know who this person is that's talking in the as? Should uh, we have put the pieces together on who this fucking mystery person is? Maybe we should talk about chapter 13. I'm just glad I got the edit in before I oh, ruined it for my friends. I'm so about this now. I'm glad that none of us got it though, because usually, like, at least one of us will pick something up. So I don't feel as dumb. 
Was it Silch? That's why I was kind of like. Was I was kind of like going around the circle. I thought someone was going to be like. Was it Silch's ruin? That was. I kind of wondered if it was him a little bit. I think it might be Silch's ruin, but I. I don't, I don't even know because I, like, I, I feel like. I feel like Silch's ruin had two swords in the prologue, he's, and he's all white, yeah. and he's like known for being like ivory skinned rather than the normal skin color for Tisty Andy. Yeah. But I like. I didn't. Assi- oh, and they do put him somewhere, so I guess it would make sense if they brought him. To, to the, the Azath house to yeah. be held. But I like didn't think about that in the moment. That's just like a 20 second guess. Yeah. I would so... like to know. Yeah. Now. Oh, oh, you would like to know, period. I, there's just so many times in this <laughs> in this book <laughs> where I where they've talked about swords, and I'm like, okay, it's gonna be such a true one, and it never is. So I'm like, okay, well See, it's tough because because in the beginning they're not fighting the Forkula sale, right? I'm pretty sure they're fighting the other ones whose names I'm struggling with. Yeah, I know the reptilian guys the from, the, from book three. The Kachin Chama, <laughs> right. They're killing the Kachin Chama, so I didn't assume that this had any you know, connection. Yeah, because why would why would Steve connect things? Oh, I don't know, man. Oh, and now Silch's Ruin, who in a very short time will know the eternal prison of the Azath. Woo! Nice job, 22nd guest Josh. That's straight from the prologue. It is Silch's Ruin. Got what it. What the fuck? Where did you find that? In I just prologue. turned to the prologue and got lucky. Okay. <laughs> Josh, J- Josh is... I feel weird now because I feel like I kind of led you to it, but like, that's well, right. Well, yeah. okay. I'm just going to go out and say, A, I didn't know who that was, and I did read it, and B, I'm not excited by this reveal. I'm well, listen, curious We'll about have it. a chance to talk a little more Silch's Ruin because he and Kettle have another conversation in chapter 14. Yeah, they do. But I think it's time for us to keep the conversation moving, and that means it's time to thank our lovely, lovely Patreon people. India, do you want to... <coughs> wow. A warm and loving thanks to C, Scylla, Edward, Miriam, Kristen, Julian, Lalit, Ross, Rickard, Randy, and John. Love you so much. Thanks, y'all, so much uh, for your contributions. We're, we're, we are now over uh, $500 a month, uh, which is wild. It's really great. I said in the end of the last episode, or two episodes ago, I guess, that we can now pay the contributors to the show. We can now reimburse our, us for books and microphones and stuff. It's just very cool stuff. Thank you so very much. Uh, and now we will get into chapter 13. Rulad rapes Mayan. Udanas watches, Featherwitch aside him, weeping. Featherwitch lashes out at Udanas, and they argue about Rulad, and she leaves. Hole confers with Baruch and Saren. He says he has found more evidence of reptilian beasts and they speak of the Eater worshipping dragons. They go to meet the first eunuch. With the delegation, the prince is arguing to attack the Eater. The prince also wants to arrest Hull, but he is under the protection of the Eater. They go to meet with Rulat. Nifidus wishes to negotiate with the Eater, but Rulad rejects the leather and war is declared. The Lether are then dismissed, except Hull and Saren. Baruch's goods will be confiscated, and the pair have three days to leave Eater grounds. Hull swears himself to the Emperor Rulad. 
Garen speaks with Seren about Hole, and he suggests she returns to Lether. Garen thinks the Eater do not pose a threat, and speaks of the other tribal people the Lether have conquered. Saren thinks the Eater could win, but Garun believes they will lose either way. Hall offers information to Rulad about Lether and their military tactics, then is dismissed. Rulad speaks to the Warlock King about the Lether, and then his body spasms in pain. Udinas believes the sword will let Rulad control the Andy spirits, and he orders the Narek to be respected. Troll feels lost and doesn't know if he can stop what's happening. He speaks with fear about Rulad, madness, and what they must do. Fear warns Troll that his thoughts may be treason, and Troll says he will hide his doubt from others. Rulad dismisses all but Udinas, and the Emperor asks the slave to remind him who he is. Udinas calls the Emperor flawed, imperfect, and indebted. Rulad shudders, and Udinas orders slaves around. Troll and Saren speak for just a moment, and then say goodbye. So, Inge, we're back with the Tist Eater, and it starts with a pretty horrifying scene of Rulad and Mayan together, um, and Udonis and Featherwatch watch him assault her. Um, it was my uh, understanding that she kind of liked it. At the end, she was like, kind of like, well, I, I guess. Yeah, she forced it was, herself. It, to... it was weird to read, though, as That's a That's what dude. it said, Peter. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm just reading the text. Yeah, that is what it said. I, it literally said, and he even was like, that. oh, I expected more from her. I expected her to hate it the whole time. That's, yeah, that's why Featherwitch was so upset, was like, well, one of the reasons, there were many, uh, but one of the things is they were like, yeah, I think they she, they alluded to Featherwitch being upset that Mayan was kind of like, well, making the best of it. Yeah, because we see Mayan later, and she, like, is, like, horrified. Oh, yeah. So, Who? Mayan. We see her later, and she's just like a, 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 despondent. Yeah, yeah. She's just kind of given in to her fate, which just fucking sucks. So I wouldn't say she was necessarily into it. She's just kind of working with what she has to. I don't know. It's all I'm saying is, it sounded like a finish for the. Let both me. Of them. Uh, I believe you are mistaken, and I think you are maybe referring to this line. As if she had found a spark within her that she could flame into proper desire, perhaps even pleasure. Then as he released, that spark flickered and died. No. Yeah, but then they, then no, they do it again and, and she continues. On. Yeah, yeah, but it's later continue, they say the yeah. spark came back. Keep going. But, yeah. But it, I, it, I'm going to have to revisit the passage. My, uh, I, I, I feel like I had a different reading of the, the time. So, India, I don't think, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. What was the question though, PB? Uh, um... I guess I was just curious what you made of the scene, but I think we're kind of in the midst of this I point was disturbed now. by the scene, mostly because I wasn't expecting his penis to be covered in coins as well. That yeah, seems that a was, little personal. That was I thought they popped is. off. They oh, did no. pop off. So yeah. four of them popped off. And yeah. I mean, if there was only four... <laughs> I don't know. I've imagined the coins yeah. like pretty big. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you got to find humor in the darkness to keep going, but... You do. No, that that was weird. But, um, yeah, I thought it was weird. Featherwit, I don't know why any... It was just... I guess it was a I disturbing... Can't, I can't pin... Okay, okay, you know about Featherwitch? I 
don't know if I, if I I can't I'm finding it hard to sympathize with Heather Witch because I feel like in every scenario she is she is doing the worst thing she could be at that moment and I get it shit's difficult right now I totally get that Feather Witch right but like you are still a slave and this is you're still a slave period at any moment someone can be like all right you're a bit much and murder you like you need to play it cooler in some way She's just, I think Feather Witch is super selfish. Everything's about Feather Witch. Why are you crying, Feather Witch? Why are you crying? Yeah. That was What's a, that happening was a to weird you? Thing. I don't know. The Nothing. way she still treats Udinas. Well, I don't know, India. I'm... I think that's just kind of like empathy, right? <laughs> Good thing Mayan's not crying is all I have to say. Okay, I'm going to put a, put an end to this part of it. Um, I found the, I think uh, you were right and I was wrong in some narrow way. In that later on in this passage, it returns and it says, Udonis watched her search for that spark of pleasure and then find it. Right. Um, but I don't think necessarily. However, yeah. I think I would still characterize it a little differently than you did, India. So how was um, what did I say other than she ended up being like, OK, yeah, we can both do this. At the end of the I day, just, it's not uh, wrong that she ended up finding pleasure in something horrible. In fact, it's probably better that way. I don't think that as was... As opposed to just being miserable the whole time? Is that what we would prefer? That's the I question. Get, I, get, I don't know if that was the argument. I don't know, Inge. What do you Because I don't think it matters whether know. it's right or... I don't think it matters whether it's right or wrong for her to find pleasure in something. I think it's... You said... The way you're characterizing it is like, she, she's, she's thinking like, yeah, we can do this. But it's not we can do this. It's like, okay, I have to do this. Otherwise, I am going to like... You yeah, know, that's true. Die. There's not... Like, there's no... Yeah, she can't not engage in this that's true aj yeah i think it's i think it's out of obligation not out of like oh yeah i can get behind this i think it's like oh i need to get behind this or because it's in my best interest too in all fairness you can't there's just no way to complete yourself if you're not really into it that's all i'm saying is it wrong that she ended up enjoying it I, that's not what we're saying though we're not saying that it was wrong that she started that she found enjoyment we're just saying it wasn't she because did. she wanted to <laughs> You can't, how do you, how do you enjoy something that you don't want to enjoy? You force yourself so, to do it. Like if you find the, the thing in it that you need or that you can enjoy and you make yourself have to enjoy that part, I, I, you just don't think about the specifics of it and stuff. It's, uh, there's a lot of mental gymnastics I, know, I think happening for her, India. I, don't, I think you're oversimplifying. I think I disagree. Fair enough. I will say this. I think... We talked about it in House of Chains. I think overall I'm pretty critical of how Steve portrays sexual assault sometimes, but I do want to give credit. I think this is actually a really powerful scene, and I think it like really brings the horror and is yeah. about this experience yeah. and is a true nightmarish passage to read. Yeah, this... You know, I think I think it's a really powerful layer and really layered sequence about and I feel like every character in the scene is going through something really different mm -hmm. and is interpreting the events in a different way. Mm -hmm. I think it really means different things to Feather Witch. I think Mayan is characterized and she it, we it means something different to her it means something different to Adonis it means something different to um, Rulad. I think it's a really interesting scene and is really anchored in this main motif at the beginning of the chapter about the distance between 
um, the emperor and the slave. And mm. I think that's getting into pushing a major theme for this specific chapter about who is made to do things and the forces that act upon us, you know? So I think it's a really well-written scene. And although obviously we're, we're kind of getting into this debate um, about how India described it, I, I ultimately feel... You know, I don't want to say I feel good about the scene because obviously it's terrible, you know, but um, I think it's a really layered, complicated scene. Mm. In India, I think for me, where my disagreement with how you would describe it is I think um, sometimes in discussions around sexual assault, like and then the women, the woman ends up liking getting raped is like a really problematic narrative that gets pushed sometimes. And I think really fuels into um, some really negative talks around sexual violence, of course. And I'm sure we're all in agreement about that. So I guess I'm just uh, that's where I was kind of worried about that. That's a weird now. That's a that's a weird. Didn't think of it that way. What do you mean? That's gross. When you say it like that, that's gross. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree it's gross, but... Um, uh... <laughs> you didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, it's definitely gross, and it also is definitely written extremely well, I think, to uh, show... The, like you said, Pete, everybody's going through different things in this in this uh, section, and it's just really, really, really horrific. But uh, I think maybe now we should move on. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think this... I think her finding pleasure or not finding pleasure in it is like part of the complicated theme of like this, you know, it's a very morass chapter mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, but, and so I'm not even objecting to or anything. I just, the energy is so heavy, yeah. you know, and we, I, we gotta, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, so, okay. Not to make direct comparisons to man doing what she has to do mentally to get through this i think in a way everybody else is also doing something similar to this like troll and uh the warlock king and all this stuff they are all like well it's a shitty situation but we have to do what we have to do to you know get through this and survive this and stuff and so i think obviously man's is way more extreme than everybody else's but uh i think in a way everybody in this eater clan is kind of performing some similar mental gymnastics where it's like, okay, well, this is the situation we're in. So we have to make the best of it. I think you're, that's a really great point, AJ. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what I was trying to get at in that it's really linking back to this opening passage about the distance between the slave and the emperor and the obligations we have, what uh, we are following and what we have to do, you know, Mm -hmm. But that's obviously not to marginalize her pain right. because I really don't think you could walk, read that cha- read that passage and come away thinking that, you know, I mean, I guess Rulad's doing what he has to do in some ways, but like who is really the victim here and who is really bearing the brunt of this act, you know? Yeah. I think it's kind of unquestionable that man's pain is kind of forefronted in that passage. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on. Pete. So we talked Josh, about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> Josh, how you doing over there? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just here. <laughs> how's uh, how's Hall, Baruch, Saren? Do you wanna, you wanna, you wanna bring us out of the, you know, I'm glad we talked about that. It was, it's oh, yeah. a, obviously a big part of the chapter, but you know, Josh, uh, bring bring us out of this, uh, bring us out of this zone. So okay, so we we go on and we see uh, some very leather centric conversations after this. We've got Holbrook Saren, and then we've got some stuff with the 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 prince's whole group. Um, 
What do you want me to do? I mean, I already read it all. What do you want me to say? I don't know, bro. What are you feeling? I, I just, uh, I'm passing the basketball. It's just for a moment, you know. Um, can- okay. Well, I guess what I'll say is I enjoyed that Nifidas isn't an idiot. I really do enjoy competent characters, especially when there are dumb characters that, that the confident character is able to just be like, and this is them. Ignore them now. <laughs> uh, like, the prince was exactly what I expected the prince to be. But, like, I don't know. I feel like in most fantasy books, like, the idea of, like, royalty stops the smart people from doing the thing that would be logical. And I appreciated that in this case, Nifidas is like, hold the fucking, hold the fucking door. Let's, uh, let's really try and do everything we can to not go to war. And also, prince, we're in their village. We can't kill them right now. They would murder the shit out of us, you big dumb dummy. So I was very glad that the, the, the first eunuch is there to kind of keep the prince from doing anything too stupid. Well, let me ask you this. I've, I'm kind of recollecting myself. Um, mm-hmm. what, what did you think of, and it's in this chapter that Hull, like, formally, you know, it joins up with the Edor. What did you, uh, what did you think of his decision to swear fealty to Rulad? I mean, the specifically to Rulad thing felt bad, but, like, I, I mean, we all knew he was eventually going to swear fealty to the Edor, or at least in some way formally align with them. I actually want to say what felt really, and I, uh, I'm going to reference something later like i'm referencing that something that happens later but like mm-hmm. you know hall immediately starts breaking down the military stuff and later on people are like we're he's using our outdated plans here's what we're actually doing and the two plans were very not different they were a <laughs> they were a like they think what we're going to do is preemptively strike and then retreat. But what we'll do is preemptively strike and then not retreat. But they both started with a huge attack. And it's like, they know you're going to, your whole shit is that you have really good mages. Like, we're like, yeah, we're going to evacuate the cities. I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it was really dumb. I don't know, Josh. I think, I, I think if you know they have part of your plan, keeping the first part of your plan the same is a good move because then they'll then your enemy is thinking oh well they haven't modified their plans at all so right i get that but what we're what we're getting into aj is we're getting into that princess bride scene with the fucking poison cups <laughs> oh but then you think that i thought that we thought that you th- and it's well, just yeah, like but that's military strategy baby <laughs> I, oh, cold iron let's bring it fucking back <laughs> We got some cold fucking generals here. I love it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't um, miss this. <laughs> fuck. India, I would love to get like a morals question for you. Like your heart. Where's your heart at, my my love? Like, so, you know, Rulad, Josh says this about like maybe it feels bad that he's swearing fealty to Rulad. But the eater in general, like maybe the cause is right. So like. I'm curious, you know, how are you feeling about this conflict between the Eder and the Lether from a large scale kind of moral, your heart point of view? I mean, because they're going to war now. Do you mean like how are you feeling about these sides and like what do you make of this conflict? Um, You know, I can't really say which one of them is better or who I'd prefer to win, to be honest, I guess in this case. Just because Rulad has to, you know, he is leading the Eater, I guess I'd have to say I want Lether to win. But really, do I? Because they're kind of Mm. fucked also. 
So, yeah. in all honesty, I just, you know, wish they could just get along. Come on, Sorry. guys. Um, Sorry. I mean, I, can we, can I just say the, <laughs> I agree with you fully, India, but the, uh, the, uh, the fact that the argument we're having is like, hmm, evil demon man or capitalism? It's like, <laughs> they're both equally as bad. <laughs> I think like... I'll just have to pick what I know. And that's leather, baby. <laughs> <laughs> It is tough because, I, and it's funny, this is the exact same conversation basically that Tehol has later where he's like, well, I can't destroy capitalism yet because <laughs> evil demon man do, do do gonna kill us if I destroy capitalism <laughs> he now. He sure do gonna kill but us. But as soon as, as soon as demon man gone, death to capitalism, <laughs> baby. Well, because Tehol knows, now we're getting into a different thing, but Tehol knows that he can't. Uh, live his life without capitalism functioning in some way. You know, there always needs to be a little well, bit of capitalism well, that he can destroy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's more that he can't live if he's been murdered to death. Well, yeah, by that's demons. true. That's also true. I think that's mainly what he's concerned. Yeah, I don't mean to totally derail this chapter thirteen eater discussion, but we just, you know, we were, you know, that episode came out. We were talking a lot about fuck marrying, killing, and the bedics, and we we talked about Tehol a lot. And I gotta say, I feel like I've fully turned around. Tehol is on my nerves all the time. I cannot stand this character. Just like <laughs> the guy needs to sit down and like, you know, behave for a moment. Yeah. You know, I just well, like, I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like a, I cannot imagine marrying him. I regret <laughs> I ever saying it. I fucking told you. Um, I think a lot of it, Pete, uh, might be coming from we see Bug do so much in these chapters. And it's like, oh, Tehol doesn't do shit. Like, But I don't think that's true. I think Tehol is I think Tehol is doing stuff, but he's doing the stuff that Steve knows. Look, I can I can make a lot of things sexy. Uh, yeah. Right. But you know what I can't? I cannot make sexy is to hold going to all of his agents and delivering written instructions of what they're to do that day. Yeah. Fair. Like I don't, I don't think that one can be cool. <laughs> fair enough. I will say, I think it's kind of funny. Tails, a character who's like really above it all, you know, and like, you know, despite being above this whole capitalism thing, he is like really a capitalist, really into, yeah. I don't know. He's really into the market. Yeah. I think we can all say that. Anyway, to hell's not even in this chapter. So <laughs> sorry for the detour. Um, oh, my gosh. So um, India, Saren talks with uh, Garen Eberich about uh, Hull and then uh, her plans to return to Lether. What did you make of Saren's kind of last time here amongst? And then at the end, she speaks with Troll a little bit. Saren is boring <laughs> and I don't care about her feelings about anything. Do you want to explore that a little bit? So <laughs> with that said, I don't really care that she's leaving. I feel bad that they have to walk. <laughs> and her and Troll, I, I don't know what, I don't understand what's going yeah, on. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused by it. But like, will they ever see each other again? Like, what is the point? You know? I mean, not on the same side. Exactly. I think that's yeah. like, are we I like, think that's like, the point. What are we doing? So um, what did they talk about? I don't even remember their conversation, her and Troll. Uh, it's very unmemorable in my opinion and it, a big deal is made about what isn't said but i was like i don't even understand what they could else have said like did she want troll to be like no this is a mistake i must flee because that's what it felt like she wanted but that can't happen like it's his, his brother's the emperor i i don't know i felt confused Also, where did it. this connection like come from did i miss it i think the point you kind of made it is that like 
I think it's kind of her saying goodbye to the eater in a way. Didn't yeah. mean like she was friends with Benedict. She's trading these people, and then she comes up on this expedition. They, the warlock king, gets sidelined. Roulette ascends, and this is like kind of a moment for her to, you know. So she's been here before. Yeah. Oh, she's, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. an acquitter. Yeah. That, this is her whole thing. I don't know how often she acquits. Com- I don't know how often this happens. These discussions. No. I do. Her and Baru. Oh, talking with troll. I don't think she's talked to troll a ton. But like it definitely happened. No, I'm just confused because the question she asks is, "Is there no room left, Trelsengar?" Uh, and I'm just very confused by that because I don't know what that means. Is there no room left, producer AJ? I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know Shopping. either. And and he says, "No, no room left." And she says, "I think you would have it otherwise, wouldn't you?" And then says, "Forgive me. It is too late for questions like that." And I don't know what any of that means. I don't know what any of that means. Sounds like no wonder I don't. Sounds like Steve. Am it I sounds right? like Steve. Yes, I feel like that should be impactful, but I really had no idea what was happening. AJ, so Troll has this conversation with Fear. Yeah. And Fear is like, "Yo, bro, <laughs> fucking check yourself." What did you make of this brother talk? Um, I think every time Troll and Fear have talked in the last like four or five chapters, it's been like I've come away being like, "Man." <laughs> Just because every single time Troll is like, hey, what about this? And Fear's like, no, idiot, it's this. And it's just, it just feels so bad that, I don't know, I guess that Fear is so, like, bought in. He, oh, was, yeah. he was really bought in with the Warlock King, and now he's really bought in with Rulad. Um, and it just feels bad, you know? Um, like, Troll feels like kind of, uh, I guess for lack of a better phrase, like a voice of reason here. And Fear is just, like, not hearing it. And I mean, I think it, it illustrates really well the, the point we were making earlier about everybody's kind of just doing what they have to do to survive. Um, or, to, you know, to, to thrive in this f- fucked world. Um, but it doesn't make it feel any better. <laughs> I think one of the reasons it feels really bad to me is like, unlike, you know, when we talk about Tomad or like the Warlock King, I don't know. I mean, like we can like these people have power in theory or wrath. But when I look at fear, I see a character who I feel like could actually do something. Do you know what I mean? He could actually have changed what happened. He could change what's going on Mm. now. He is someone who with power and influence, but he just he's on board. Do you you know, do you guys feel it's interesting that fear and breeze are kind of like parallels of each other in some ways? But it's interesting because like fear is older brother. And I feel like he is so honor bound and tradition bound, whereas breeze is like same thing, like the lead martial guy. But he's kind of got this like he can discern between like doing what his job wouldn't tell him to and then doing what his heart believes is right. Yeah, it's very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, interesting parallel. I should, uh, I'd like to think more about parallels between the sets of brothers. I haven't really thought much about it. Um, I think the, one of the most interesting lines, uh, in this part is when they're, Troll brings up the sword and that how it's not, you know, it's foreign and there's nothing about wielding that sword that should give any eater, uh, you know, power over everybody else. Cause it's just like a sword. It's a foreign sword. And Rulad says, the sword is not but a tool. It falls to us, to those around Rulad, to hold the sanctity of our beliefs, to maintain that structure, and so guide Rulad. I feel like saying the sword is not but a tool, like, from there, the the rest of that sentence could go both ways. Like, you could choose to see, oh, okay, the sword doesn't really mean much, but it's up to us to hold Rulad, but I think... I mean, I mean, I guess you see it with Trull. Like, the sword doesn't mean much, so why should it give Rulad power? You know what I mean? I just thought that was interesting and how you're really seeing both sides 
of kind of the, the the stem of both of their thoughts in opposite directions is the same. It has the same starting point. Yeah, I think that's a great pet quote you pulled, AJ. Yeah. So, India, did you have any thoughts about this brother talk? No. Then let me ask you this. Rulad uh, later in the chapter dismisses everyone. He just like there's this council, and we, we can talk, you can mention that if you want. But he dismisses everyone, and at the end, he talks to Udanis, and he's like, "Udanis, comfort me, baby." And Udanis says these words to him, and then Udanis like goes out and he orders around some slaves. You know, like he wields authority. What did you make of this scene, and and how are you feeling about Udanis now that he's kind of um, the slave to the emperor? I don't understand anything about his sad boy, Udinas. I don't, because he's like, I'm so sad. But then he's like, I have no feelings. And then he's like, but I'm so sad. This, is, this all sucks, but I have no feelings. So he annoys me, but I, I like his character because, you know, he has the inside scoop and I'm into that. He does have the inside scoop. Yeah. It's very true. I don't really notice a difference in him now. Like, I know that it's, I, I guess maybe I should, but I don't notice a difference between him, um, you know, being directly working for the king emperor person. I don't know, but I do find it weird how Rulad seems very confused right now. Like, he's not controlling his own thoughts, which is like, is it, the, have we determined that that was the crippled god? Yeah, it definitely was, was like you're gonna live now and oh yeah mm -hmm. that's a thing it's like what's the diff it's like what's the distance between emperor and slave you know i mm -hmm. don't know <laughs> i don't know because okay i'm ready now i need to have a moment to think i think it's really weird how um roulette can go from like extreme this is the way it is and i know everything to like i don't know anything and these thoughts are not my own wait yes they are wait no they're not wait yes they are it's very weird I like that Udinas is able to, you know, be his little guide. And I wonder what that's going to transition into if he's going to, I don't know. Um, I didn't really see anything important about him telling the people to calm the fuck down and just bring Rulad food. I just, I don't know. I don't really notice much of a shift. I didn't know if I was, I guess maybe I was supposed to. Did you? I don't know. This. I feel like Udinas is lid is almost single-handedly holding shit together in some ways mm -hmm. for the eater people. Mm -hmm. Like I was like I don't know, like the moment with uh with Rulat is really crazy. I think what's more important is the is the moment when he goes back and talks with the slaves. I feel like that is the single most important thing Udinas has done in the books so far. Why? Is because he is the one who is he has a choice. And he makes the choice that he thinks the right decision currently is things are normal. This is normal. Mm -hmm. If we act like it, it's normal, it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which is like not what like I, don't, I just feel like that's a huge transition moment, right? Because like until then, I like you know, there's the moment where they're like at the the coronation where Mayan has that look and everyone's like we'll fight this and i feel like slowly but surely they just start convincing themselves this is what we do now and that is a crazy shift for them and i feel like udinas is the one like is is actively encouraging that tone that mind shift for the slaves and it felt crazy important to me i hear that i, I think that's a great way to put it josh 
going forward, yeah, you know, Rulod's just a little hungry. Just get him food. It's what we do. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this is I like just the way things are now. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know? exactly. That is what he's telling them. I also think it's also, India, though, I'll say this. It's very tough because Udinas is not the person we met in chapter one because he has many people. He has two competing consciousnesses in him that are like warring for his actions, if that makes sense. It's not like he doesn't know them apart in some way, but like we even see later, he's like, maybe they aren't real. Maybe I've been dreaming this whole time. Yeah. Maybe there isn't a Will's blood in me, you know? Like that is not the same guy we met in chapter one who was like, damn, I'm horny for this one person. <laughs> like they are completely different people. All right, we're running. Uh, we're all we're long in the tooth this episode, baby. Yeah, this was yeah. a thirty-minute chapter discussion. Yeah, we got to <laughs> yeah. We got two up. more left, baby. We have two left. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad. Listen, I as I mentioned, you know, I know we got in had had a really heavy discussion about you know we we once again. I hope we handled the conversation well. Yeah. It's a difficult subject, yeah. and we're not all experts. Yeah, if we so. if we, if yeah, we fucked something up in some way, please please let us know. It's it's just a freaking book, guys. It didn't really happen. Don't worry. Yeah, but it's still serious. Yeah. You know, I don't. Know. Um, I do just want to point out uh, the end of this chapter. Uh, the last chapter ended with a path being chosen. This chapter ends with the path had changed. Uh, mm. Troll one mm. troll wondered Brutal. if this one would be uh, sorry. So many choices proved irrevocable. Troll wondered if this one would as well. Mm. So look at AJ. Look at AJ. Just gotta say, good book. Good, good book. chapter. Good book. Having a good time. Loving this book. All right, let's kick it. We gotta we gotta keep moving. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Chapter fourteen. Bug encounters a divers called the Pack a group of fearsome monsters living within a temple of Fulcra. They escape from the barrow, so Bug goes off to check the Azath house. He speaks with Kettle about the barrow, and then speaks about the woman buried there. She promises her things, and together they speak about the woman. Bug warns Kettle then, and leaves. Bryce is awakened, and brought to the king's council. Lether is going to war. They speak of the strength of the military and preemptive attacks. Bryce worries about Hull and thinks he needs to warn to Hull. Rocket of the Rat Catchers Guild speaks with Bug. Gare and Eberic has been killing thousands of people this year. Bug is confused by this and is driven off by Rocket's advances. Tell speaks with Shand, Rishar, and Hedgen, first about the economy and then of their scheme. Tohol will wait to crash the economy. He is intrigued about what is going to happen with the war. He thinks they should focus on evacuating tribal refugees. He leaves and is confronted by Shirk. Shirk, Ubala, and Harlist want to become pirates. In the Azath, Silchus Ruin speaks with Kettle of the Forkel Assail. The Elder Race's goal was an absolute balance. Silchus Ruin battled them along with his draconic kin. He says Kettle has the soul of a Forkel Assail in her, and that she was mortal once. He thinks she was meant to kill him, but they both believe she may be able to follow him despite this. Kettle remembers the past with the Nameless Ones and the Eris. The child has two souls within her. 
Bug speaks with Tehol about Garen Eberich when Bryce arrives. After discussion, Tehol agrees to allow one bodyguard to shield him against assassination. Josh, you let out a hearty guffaw at the mention of uh, Shirk, Ubala, and Harlist's desire to become pirates. Do you not think they would uh, fit, take well to the Seven Seas? I just love them, and I cherish them, and they are my favorite parts of any book I've maybe ever read, is this goofy fucking trio. I tweeted it, still believe it. Harlist wants sharp teeth, funniest thing in this book, funnier than anything Tellbug says. <laughs> Best yeah. gag in the series. We, we didn't address it. We didn't address it when it happened in chapter twelve. But there's literally when they're yeah. in the catacombs or, or the the tomb or whatever. Harlist is literally oh, like, yeah, I want them. I want to be able to hiss. And it's like, what the? I want to yeah. be scary. <laughs> I and this and this it comes up this time because isn't Shirk like we gotta get rid of we gotta get him his teeth and it, I it, I feel like it's implied that like every time her and Oblala fuck he's just in the background like ooh yeah. I would look so ghastly yeah. and I'm like she's <laughs> please get him sharp teeth he needs to sh- talk about something so else good. it's so good mm-hmm. uh, that's it's- all I have they would be incredible incredible pirates. But Josh, also in the last chapter, you mentioned Tell's discussion about when to crash the economy. Yes. Um, but Sh- Sean Rassar and Hujan are, of course, skeptical of this. And he's they're worried about what their tribal refugees are going to be and whether they're going to get their kind of revenge. So what did you think of Tell's thing here? And do you think he should crash the economy now anyway? I think... I, here's what I, here's what blows my mind is Tehol is so informed on everything. You know what I mean? And I and I love that because I I'm so curious to know whether he fails or not. You know what I mean? I cannot wait to see how it goes. And if he does fail, I'm excited to see what it is because so far every common pitfall that like the smart planning guy hits, he has mm. the information to avoid. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, he knows I should not crash the economy yet. This war is not going to be like our other wars. We need to survive this in order. Like, I I, I just, I I love him. I want to know where he gets his info from, but I'm sure it's boring and, and, you know, just minutia. Uh, But I love it. I also really like, I've come to realize in some ways that Shand, Rasar, and Hajun are like the audience, uh, the, like, it's us in the, in the book in that it you know it's just three dumb people who don't understand the economy asking the questions that i have and yeah. Tehol is like let me explain directly to you Hoink! as he looks at the, the camera Hoink. you know so I, I don't know i think he's I, I think he's making the right choice it's very postmodern josh i agree so, i'm like have you don't ever you thought think about, so? <laughs> have you ever thought about these books are a little postmodern peter a little it's, it's a little postmodern, postmodern isn't it it's so postmodern <laughs> Almost like Scream. <laughs> Plug that Patreon content, baby. We talk about the Scream movie and it's postmodernism. <laughs> All right. Um, anyways, uh, Inge, Bug goes and visits the Rat Catchers Guild again. What do you make of this organization that is a part of their plan? Can we just all admit that the rat catchers are not catching rats? What are they doing? Are they well, catching okay, rats? Stop. They're catching, catching rats, rats, but they're rats. just holding on to them. <laughs> Yeah, because in their minds, their job is to catch the rats, period. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also, you wrote in here, Peter, in one of the chapter summaries, you were like, oh, Tehol and Bug are convinced that some of them are illusions. And I read that and I was like, what? 
Because there what? were some weird questions to Holenbug asked, and I thought maybe it was something like some of them aren't what they appear to be, and but I didn't understand wait, that they like were rats. Yeah, wait, Josh, you didn't you didn't get in chapter twelve when Bug pokes the one in the eyes. No, 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 not that part, not that part. When they are in talking to all of them, yeah, aren't Bug, some of like, them rats? Isn't one of them a cat? What? I don't think one of them's a cat. I think no. she has feline eyes, so I don't know. Uh, there, no, uh, mm. one of the parts, to, when it says Toho goes, it was in the first chapter we read, right. he goes, um, Toholo and Bug both suspect more than one of the rat catchers are merely illusions, not just the secretary. And I read that earlier and I was like, I didn't catch that. I so thought I'm that was, so. I thought, I thought they did say that in the this chapter. They said something and they were like, I wonder if X, but I didn't catch that. Maybe they were all like, I, I don't know. I'm very curious to know how many real fucking rat catchers there are besides the grand rat catcher boy who like swam out of the water with that army of rats around him. Orly. Yeah, I just, th this is the coolest organization ever. However, I have a deep, deep fear of mice and rats. So this is also my nightmare. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. I, people say rats make great pets though. That's like a thing. Yeah, that's all they're right. wrong. <laughs> they're wrong. To tell them. <laughs> AJ, uh, I guess we're going real scattershot around this. So yeah, I mean, um, we started at the end. So <laughs> bug bug encounters some divers. What do you think's going on? We didn't even talk about the bug demon jagut thing. What do you think about all these creatures that are hanging out in the city? Yeah, um, I am love see. I, I'm loving seeing the city through bugs thousand year old question mark eyes how old is this dude right <laughs> yeah. uh because when he's talking to whoever it is and they're like oh man i bet you fuck real good and he's like ah oh, it feels like it's been a th it's it's been a thousand years dot 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 it feels like like come on man <laughs> that whole conversation is the greatest thing i've ever read i was actively cackling on my couch <laughs> um but no i i i love following bug in these chapters he's just doing so much other shit uh and mm -hmm. he knows so much and i just oh man i want to know who bug is so very bad and i okay so this this thing that turns from one to six that is a divers mm. i didn't get that part but that's fine i just all uh, right I, I, to I, I, I just love everything bugs doing talking to the the ice hold huntress talking to the this snake divers demon or whatever the fuck it's just it's he just he talks to that huntress like it's fucking nothing yeah he's like it oh is, what's up incredible. dude like they've been friends for a while <laughs> like it's a really casual conversation for her being a jagged out of nowhere you know yeah 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 it's great i'm super into it josh i guess i didn't know you were talking about the fork girl of sail behind my back but <laughs> you were uh in, in the Azath, Kettle Speaks with Sil just wrote a bit more about the Forkle of Sail, and we learn a little bit more about the souls inside her. So what do you think's going on with Kettle? We get a little more Kettle info, you know? Okay, so yes, I, I called India because she was... Uh, this section's confusing as I'll get out, but from what I can understand, and I could be very wrong, <laughs> is Kettle, human Kettle, died, right? And... A ritual or something was done and someone was like like the they talk about the person that was chosen to go but i forget who it is but it sounds yeah i guess we know that a forkral a sail soul is inside of her and that was and that person was meant to be the guardian of the azath house i think uh which we've seen like they they usually pick pretty beefy people to do that but i guess i did they expect that it would that kettle's body wouldn't change i don't know it makes no sense to me so i guess kettle is kettle but there is the chance that a fork or a sail kind of takes over her body and that is what 
Silchas Ruin, as we now know to be that person, would have to kill her? I don't know. There's there's a lot of question marks still. I hope she doesn't turn into a Forkula sale. Also, are they just, like, beyond redemption? Like, why does Silchus Ruin, like, yeah, if you turn, I'll murder you? Like, no questions asked. I think, because I'm looking over this section now, I think he would murder her because if he didn't, she would murder him. But she's dead. Right. But maybe not dead because sometimes she's like, my heart, I hear, a th- I feel a thing in my chest. Oh, yeah, and like it, her heart, you know, yeah, it bumps and true. hurts. And it's like, what does that fucking mean? It's uh, okay. So they're talking, they're going back and forth. uh, And Silchus Rune says, ah, you are to kill me once I have vanquished the other entombed creatures. And then she says that he asks like, oh, will you do that? And she says, well, the Azath house is dead, so I don't really have to do it. But, you know, (laughs) I might still do it on accident. And then and then Silchus Rune (laughs) says like, oh, well, if you if you come to kill me, I'm going to kill you first. Um, Yeah, that's right. So. That's that's and we that didn't situation. even talk about we didn't even talk about the Toblakai in the Azath house, you know, yeah. just a yeah. lot, of, lot of, a lot going on in that tower now, isn't there? Quite. Yeah. Hey, do we do we know, by the way, because Kars is like the product of generations of inbreeding. Is he like a lesser Toblakai, Thelman Toblakai or, you oh, know, God. compared to these assumedly pure bloods? Like, would they be stronger than Karsa or Fuck. like what? Do we know? Is anything ever mentioned about that? I mean, if they're as old as the four Krillisail and the Kachin Shamal, they're probably fucking horrifying. Yeah, I would assume. <laughs> so. India, we learn more that Garen Eberricht is killing like thousands of people. So what do you think's going on with that dude? <laughs> what do you think's happening? Have we even met him like personally? Yeah, he's up north and he was talking to Saren last chapter. He okay. talked to he talked to Breeze in like the earlier in the book. Oh yes, yes, and his brother yeah. is the one that wants the fangs. Yes, yes, yes. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, no, no idea, nothing, mm. not a thought. Not sure if I should have one. Kind of forget about it. He sucks. The answer's actually still just ruined. That was mystery <laughs> 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 Yeah, correct. Um, I have no thoughts on that. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. I have no idea. I hope we, it could be anything. Unless we have any other thoughts, I think maybe we should move on to chapter 15. Uh, Let's do it. Oh, I did just want to point out, we talk about Eris, the the goddess of the Neric, living outside of time. So further evidence that I think the crippled god also lives outside of time in my book. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and we we learned some shit about living outside of time next chapter with fucking Udinas and some stuff. We do? Yeah, I guess so. I anyway, thought... oh, quick question. Quick question, Peter. I've said it earlier, I think, in a, in a chapter reading part. Can we assume that the person... Well, I know we, we can't assume, but... Could the person holding on to Silchus Ruin's feet be his daughter that the two sisters imprisoned? AJ found the text earlier where it says that, like, they imprisoned, they're going to bring her to where Silchus Ruin is. So is that the person holding on to his feet? And if so, like, why is she crazy and Silchus Ruin's chill? Well, let me answer your question with a question. Great. Do you guys still prefer Lether to Eater, <laughs> the storylines? I prefer... Oh. M- oh, the storylines themselves, not, like, the peoples and culture. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. We're down to one POV with the Eater, yeah. and it's Troll, and it seems like it's going to be very military-focused. Yeah, th- there's boring. a lot more, uh, like, fantasy Malazan stuff happening with the Eater, but... I don't know if I agree with that. We got an Azath house and some people experiencing Yeah, that's pretty fantasy Malazan, but we also have, like, you know, the economy. <laughs> 
yeah, and every pirates. time someone walks in the Azath house, they have dreams of like. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair yeah, enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I still prefer leather. Kettle doesn't know who her mom is, right? Correct. No. But they, but we can expect that it is somebody like powerful. I assumed the opposite. I couldn't. Yeah. I was just like, I guess it's just some person who maybe was paid to let her daughter die yeah, or something. Say, I, I think don't Kettle, know. Kettle, this whole her whole life was to be a vessel for this this soul uh, for the yeah, nameless was, the nameless one as they call her we finally I know was really, who oh, right, right, the right, right, nameless right. one is or a nameless one is who um it's whoever's inside kettle oh the the neric the neric witches uh called her the nameless one and we know there are nameless ones from other books right yeah what were they well, though we meet the nameless ones in dead house gates and i think they're mentioned they're mentioned house of chains of, they're okay. a cult that worship the azath house yes 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 thank you and she's Fantastic. called the nameless one. So I don't know. <sighs> uh, she says, Kettle says, I guess the heiress was my real mother. And Silchestruin says, yes. So the heiress who lives outside of time. She wanders time in a manner no one else can even understand. You ever notice how these books are fucking confusing? All right, let's kick it. Chapter 15. <laughs> Chapter 15. Saren is traveling south with Burak. Wraiths stalking them. Saren touches a cliff and hears the voices of two mistresses from the same hold. Burke talks of Saren's debts and how she is being manipulated. Together, they reach a border town and find powerful Letheri mages preparing a preemptive strike. The mages in coordination unleash a devastating attack. Saren thinks Hull, Rulad, Trull, and the Warlock King are dead. Baruch declares that he is back in his homeland and will never leave. The next day, Saren finds Baruch has hanged himself. Troll witnesses the attack from the Lethary mages and confirms Eater's worries. New allies come to answer Rulad's summons. Their new allies are summoned demons enslaved by the Eater along with the Jek. They serve their leader, Benaga, the dominant. Upon reflection, Troll realizes the entire Neric tribe was wiped out. They discuss more on how to attack the Lether stronghold at Highfort, and the Karisnan offer their magic. They are more powerful than ever by drawing magic from the sword. Troll begins to question this, but fear scuttles it. Troll is sent along with a scouting group. The group's captain hates Troll, and together they kill a Letheri child scout. Troll feels disgusted. They cross a bridge together, and Troll sees some ancient writing from the Tusked Man. Udinas is shown more of the Lothari's past. Wither shows him about the First Empire, the Talani Mass, and the Soul Taken Ritual. Featherwitch asks to go into the Dream Realm with Udinas, and then forces him there. Together, they travel inside, and in the Fiery Realm, they are taken by Talani Mass to a wrecked Mekros city ruined on the land. Here, they speak of the Eater, the Beast Hold, and the Eris All. Within the city, Featherwitch admits she had witnessed Udinas's rape, and they speak of it. Featherwitch had summoned the Wyvil, thinking the Tiles could free her. They speak to the Imas and find a boy named Rud Alal, who speaks their language. They speak to the boy who has been aging rapidly, and is being raised now by the Imas. He is the son of Udinas by Menandere, 
and he is a draconic soul taken. The eye masks show them 12 gates now sealed by their bone caster, and Featherwitch realizes they are in a hold. The child tells them its name is Starvald Demolane. Atri Pedrian Jovis of the Letheri army, also called Twilight, is on the coast. She sees 300,000 Eater arriving and realizes she must surrender her post. India, you mentioned kind of being bored by Saren. Yes. And in this chapter, she uh, travels with Baruch a bit. She sees a town that is attacked, and then uh, Baruch hangs himself. I didn't know that he hung himself, so that's interesting. Uh, he does. Um, so even though there was a little more action in this chapter for her, um, did, did, a little. Are you still feeling a little? Are you like cold on her, or do you just kind of find <clears throat> her? I'm not. I'm not cold. I just don't find her necessarily interesting. I don't find anything that she says to be interesting. I don't find any of her, like, the whole beginning of this chapter was just a mind fuck. It came out of nowhere. So mm. instead of talking about Saren, I'd like to understand <laughs> what happened with those wizards and whose side they were on and if what they did worked and why if it did work were their own so soldiers being burned alive the mages are from leather it was the preemptive attack we heard about saren thinks it works but later we see from the eater point of view that they withdrew a bunch of people and the attack wasn't that effective but then why were their own people dying just kind of caught in the crossfire yeah. a little bit yeah it was kind of a okay is it really cool. you know magic is super easy to like super like controllable until it like isn't i guess and then yeah. it but but yes but then the eater people had actually moved all of their people out of the area so yeah but didn't they didn't really do anything is what but you're they, le they left that Neric tribe so now all the Neric are dead so they're safe from that all that sanctified ground which feels like it's gonna be important mm. okay uh, it's cool. true i, I I mentioned earlier that Saren's probably my favorite character in the book, you know, and I think it's mostly because she seems like the only person I would like to talk to or ever meet or <laughs> hang out with, you know, definitely like everyone else in this book is just like, I don't know, man, I would not like to have a conversation with. That is my official opinion. <laughs> so that's fair. She just, you know, I'm a Saren fan, you know. Anyway, let's uh, unless uh, anything else to talk about on the tactics part of uh, that little strike there. But we see from the eater point of view later. No, I think. Um, sorry, I just think what's what's interesting about Saren in this chapter is we are transitioning from her being a point of view uh, within the eater. of like within the eater, but like a point of view of of the greater things happening. And as we approach the end of this chapter, it focuses in on now we are concentrating on Saren herself. You That's know, a great it's point. less about it's less about the stuff happening around her, because now, especially now that uh, Burke is dead, like there is nothing tying her to anything. So, you know, she's her own person now. Uh, I'm so curious because she's like the only one I don't know where she is going to go next. Yeah. Everyone else seems pretty clear. Why yeah. does she need to go anywhere? What is her point? Well, exactly. Because well, she's a character. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, Steve could just drop her right now. <laughs> I could just be like, she did her job. After this attack, we see it kind of from the other side, and that is uh, the Eater side, and we see Troll with them, 
And then all these new forces show up. And uh, then Troll kind of fights alongside. There's this uh, bridge attack. Um, Josh, what did uh, what did, what what was uh, what did you want to talk about with this? So I assumed that they they disregarding a lot of the stuff because I feel like it's kind of cut and dry. Like the meeting the people in the army, there is now some summon demons, which is going to have repercussions. Yada yada. Troll has his own little little unit that he's picked and like they don't like him which is like yeah that makes sense i mean troll's kind of a divisive guy i do love the captain he has though i love that guy's interesting who like went for a while and lived elsewhere and he's got the cool sword but anyway the big thing is they're talking about they see these runes and stuff and they talk about the tusked man i assume that's a carrium because he's been all over the world and he yeah this is a timepiece he's made because he's always making timepieces and they even mention that it looks like it could be a timepiece but it's inefficient but it's you know it's because it's measuring the passing of centuries probably not days see this Carrion is kind of a reverse time thing pieces. i thought about putting that in the notes and then i was like no i'll leave it vague maybe they'll put it together so it's kind of a flip thing no mm-hmm. it is a it is a it ac- yeah this is when, a, it's an akarium og when did they talk about akarium yeah. making time things he's called like the timekeeper or something he's, what? Like, he's got like his whole thing is i think time. it's in dead house gates um, okay i didn't read dead yeah. house gates <laughs> I so. hate this book. Oh, yeah. Well, it's in. Well, here's the thing. It's in Deadhouse Gaze, but the other thing is he is known to when he, you know, how he goes crazy, mad, yeah. like happens at the end of Deadhouse Gates and like in destroy shit. I believe he's destroyed many of his timekeeping. Yeah, we also see a timepiece of his in Gardens of the Moon. I think they talk more about the time stuff. It's like a big what part of his the character. Fuck. What? Yeah, yeah. They've they've popped up a couple times. I didn't realize he was a. Uh, oh, I thought the word was going to come to me as I was saying the sentence. Never mind. Hurologist. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that Karen was a horologist. He loves clocks, baby. Thank you. He's a clock yeah. clock jock. Coined it. Clock. <laughs> I, are you proud of that? I, I don't that. know. Clock jock's good. Can we get some clock? Can we get some clock jock rock clock jams? Jock. Is that a thing we can get? That, was, anyway. that, long, that long silence, yeah. AJ, was for you to put in the clock jock songs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, okay, so that's the Tust Man. That, that's a Carrium. Uh, Troll's got a, a, a little unit, and they're in position to... I don't know. I guess are they supposed to hold this bridge? That feels difficult with 50 people. Are you guys not stoked that the Eater Army gets all these new allies that are, like, metal? No. <sighs> I mean, it is pretty it is pretty metal. Like, it, it, like you know, I don't know. It, are we going to actually see them fight? So many other times we get all these cool things in the army and then Steve's like, ha gotcha. There is no fight. There's a ghost army. Didn't see that coming. The ghost army. <laughs> um, Josh, I actually did see the ghost army coming. I had read the book before, so. That also oh, happened in Lord okay. of the Rings and it made no sense. <laughs> um, let's, let's just let that one lie because I could, let's just move forward. So Inja, Udonis is uh <laughs> once more has this kind of vision thing with wither there's the first empire they talk all about this and then he goes on a journey with feather witch and a lot happens they go some places they talk about the eater feather witch talks about seeing watching udonis get assaulted and then they meet rud alal what did you make of all of this Inge? i hate feather witch she sucks um that's my first point she, I, I, I don't get her hostility. I don't get it at all. And I'm happy that Udinas decided to be like, listen, I know how you feel and I get it, but you're wrong. Finally, been waiting for that moment. Second of all, why did she want to go? Third of all, where did they go? 
Fourth of all, why are the people that they saw there, the big people, how are they dead? They're the Talani Mass. So do they look dead? Or uh, are they just in their like little mind world? Mm. My understanding is that they're I mass before the ritual of Talon, right? So how are they dead? Honestly, I'm kind of turned around, or maybe I don't understand your question. Why are they no. dead? Where yeah, did they go? Are they, Udinas, where are they? Udinas goes there. to say that they are dead, and then Featherwitch is, wait, like, wait, don't say that. They don't know they're dead. Yeah, India, do you remember in Memories of Ice, they create, like, they like the, the Talai Mass uh, go, or, like, a lot of them are able to go to, like, the Beast Hold to kind of, like, live as spirits? Yeah. I feel like this is similar. I don't think it's the same scenario. Okay. I don't know. Eris kind of lives outside of time, so it's possible these people... I, I don't know. I mean, it's some heady shit. Great. Awesome. So then... I, so I, somehow, all, yeah, all though, I can get is that they are, In yeah. this other world is Udinas' child that somehow yeah. is alive or also dead. Also, why there? Definitely alive. Yeah. Definitely being raised here to protect him, maybe? Yes. That felt that feels like protect accurate. Who? That's a weird spot for the kid to I, be. I think Why it's, would it's to there? keep it's to keep him hidden, because that's not normally where draconian people go. Yeah. Uh and yeah, I don't I, think we're supposed to know much about it yet. I I left this section of the book completely turned around and I just kinda went, eventually I'll get it. That sucked. Yeah. I was so confused. I I truly have no idea no idea what was going on there. But it was interesting, I guess, when I know, but I have a feeling that I'll never put the pieces together and thus it will just be another part of the story. Yeah, I guess I'm confused about why the child, how the child, why they didn't take the child. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Who is the child? What's the point of the child? What so is the child, so, so, so Menandere uh, rapes Udinas because she wanted to have a half- draconian baby and there's a wival blood in for him, some reason because yeah and and udinas has the wival blood so then that would make them more draconian i don't know i don't know Indian. why the <laughs> kid the face. kid is seven weeks old and is like 10 years old it looks like or something so it's like a, a mib um oh god what's the kid's name situation yeah, yeah. Oh, where they're aging super fast me. what was what what did tattersail become what was her name? Yeah, I have the book next to me, but I'm, I'm not going to. Silver Fox. Silver there, Fox. There you go. Yes, 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 yes. It's a Silver Fox situation uh, in a way. Um, and why? I don't know. I'm waiting for this kid to grow up and be Laoric. I don't think that's what's going to happen, uh, but it could. We haven't we didn't see Laoric with his with his, I guess, would be sisters when when Osric is talking to them when Wait, they're dragging. No, no, but Laoric's dad is Osric. Well, that's what he thinks. <laughs> Why is Do we have reason know, to believe otherwise? Not be no, blood? I'm just saying. I'm just. I just want to know who this kid is, and my mind is just like, well, if it's Laoric, then I know who it is, and so, you know, I just don't want to think too hard about it. <laughs> okay, I get that. Uh, you could do this, AJ. Instead of creating a theory in which a person exists outside of time, and we've already met their older form who doesn't know his real dad, you could do my strategy of not thinking about it by not thinking about it. <laughs> I just went cool. Yeah. This person exists. Turn page. Yeah. <laughs> but how am I supposed to feel smart if if slash when I'm right? <laughs> <laughs> True. 
So dumb. One of the things I think okay. is really great about this book, and I'm sure I'll talk more about it when we kind of do wrap up stuff once we're finished, it is I think really the book is like really quickly paced. It's a really streamlined book. It's really, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's kind of, it's an exciting read in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I, that's definitely my impression of it in my mind when I was looking back on it. And I was really excited to read it because of that. But I definitely forgot how many Udonis dream, like Udonis and Azath dream house realm zones mm-hmm. there are. <laughs> There's almost once a chapter we're going yeah. into the dreamscape to like just absorb the words, you know? <laughs> also, can I real quick? I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna jump into the pronunciation nation corner. I'm gonna formally apologize to you all. We've not been on our game for correcting Peter when he says Udonis this episode. We know it's I, a losing battle. Yeah, so. it, we've given up hope. <laughs> Udinas. Udinas. It just it just sounds better my way. It doesn't. <laughs> sure. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It super doesn't. Um, Whatever you say, Petter. Okay. 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 India, I'm coming to you for the last scene. That's right. Who do we meet? Atri Pedra, Twilight Yantavos. What up? What up? She's in the house. If you're about to tell me that I have to read her POV more, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Um, so that's all. She's absolutely one of those. She surrendered. She said, there's too many people. Right? I can't hold this. Fuck it. And listen, you got to respect the decision. You know, <laughs> it seems yeah. like a good strat. That's um, it. <laughs> oh, so her name's Jan Tovis. Atriprita is her title. Okay. Yeah, but she yes. goes by Twilight sometimes. Called Twilight. I Why? swear to God, if they interchange names with her, I'm, I'm not doing it. Well, you know how Steve do. That's yeah. facts. Steve get I don't know. I feel like we're not going to come back. Is she a leathery person? At all. Yes, she is. Yes. Okay. Actually, so she's a shake person, but. Um, it's not like no big deal. They're with the leather people. Is that real? Um, Is she, you know what? We're done, that's done. it, right? We did it right at the end. Yeah. I gotta say, we really I, got the, this episode was a long one, you know? It sucked. Yeah. That was yeah, so yeah. long. There was so much to cover. Who knew? Who yeah. knew? Who knew? Um, but Inge, sit, I, sit I, right down. I got, I got, I got a little special. I, I think as always, of course, the, um, next week we'll read some chapters. Uh, bad outro. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Let us know what you think of the show on Gmail and Twitter. We're 10 very big books, both places. Um, and uh, finally, it's uh, the show's coming out at the end of 2020. And uh, I guess um, we haven't really talked about the pandemic that much on the show. I think we made some mm. glan- glancing references to it a few times early on. But um mm. Obviously, it's been a pretty long and difficult year for most people, and I I, uh, hope everyone's doing all right, hope everyone's healthy, and I hope everyone's getting by. So I wanted to share some sincere, you know, well wishes. Yeah, Uh, and I would also, while we're on sincereness, doing this show has been a real joy for a lot of reasons, uh, but just to be able to sit down and talk with my friends is a great time, Uh, and then to be a part of uh, our wonderful discord community and talk to the people there about these 10 very big books is just a a real delight and a a true pleasure and has really helped make this year not so shitty yeah we're glad to have you come on the show proper this year it's kind of hard to think that last year you weren't really on the show with us (laughs) here i am (laughs) so uh (laughs) i also feel sincere nice josh do you no all right. I love it's, my friends. 
Should all acquaintance be forgot and ever brought to Everybody, producer AJ here now with three computer monitors. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode a day early. Happy last day of the year. We said it on the show, but I just want to say it again here. Uh, thank you all so, so much for making this year an amazing one. Uh, despite everything going on this year, the show saw a lot of great growth. There was just a huge, great community that, that sprouted up around this show um, on the Discord and, and on our Twitter and everything and, and through our Patreon. Uh, we're hoping that we can carry this momentum into 2021. Uh, thank you so much for being so incredible. Uh, we love you very much. Additionally, keep an eye out on your podcast feeds today for the first episode of a series we are calling Discussions of the Malazan Empire, featuring the works of Ian Cameron Esselmont. We're kicking the series off with Knight of Knives. Special thanks to Iskar Jarek for co-hosting this mini-series with Peter. Uh, as always, you can let us know your thoughts about this, all of our other episodes, the Knight of Knives episodes, on our Twitter, at 10 books or via email, 10 books at gmail.com. If you'd like to join the conversation on Discord, you can head on over to bit.ly slash vbb discord and join everyone there that's capital v capital b capital b capital d discord that link will also be in the show notes thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on patreon our numbers are continuing to grow every week and it's really just amazing to have your support thank you all so so very much if you'd like to check out our patreon you can visit the link in our show notes or head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books and as Always. Thank you so very much to Dan Gezerick for making our spectacular logo. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Gezerick for a reminder to call your friends and check in every once in a while. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only Amaranthum from their album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with their other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on January 15th, 2021 with chapters 16, 17, 18 and 19 of Midnight Tides. Talk to you next year, and thank you so much for listening. Here are the other Josh Baker uh, nickname suggestions. You ready? I'll react to each one. He's getting jack of a Peter having his hand on overdrive, and he's cunningly taking control of the ship. It's Joshua Dean Baker. I really thought there were multiple sex jokes in there, and I'm still a little confused. Yeah, wait, what was the jack? He's here to be used and abused like Ubala Pung's special endowment. It's Joshua Dean Baker. Mmm, spank me, daddy? That's all I got for that one. <laughs> His body is a temple to Father Shadow. It's Joshua Dean Baker. I treat it like one, too. Udonis' best interpreter, Joshua Dean Baker. Dis disagree. He's moneyballing Rulad's waxed over eyes. It's Joshua Dean Baker. I really think Jonah Hill's performance in that movie is is really rock fucking solid. He's the cunning stunt of this pantheon. It's Joshua Dean Baker. Again with the word cunning, and I don't understand what this one references. No, get it? It's cunning Tehill's stunt. favorite chicken, Joshua Dean Baker. Whose favorite chicken? Tehill. Oh, okay. All right. See you, everybody. Peace. All right. Bye.